or how would they see this themselves as totally different people? Well, um, I think uh, they normally see themselves in terms of heritage. You have to understand that uh, these people were already independent uh, nations, kind of. Okay. living in, in particular areas. It's only the arrival of, uh, in, in the new arrival of uh, a wave of Arab traders in particular that maybe has led to the intermarriage or uh, has led to this, uh, the, 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 the expansion of the lingua franca. Welcome to the African Experience Podcast, your podcast for fascinating discussions, stories, and interviews from the diaspora. Your host, Two Ordinary Africans. Hello, fellas, and welcome to today's episode of the African Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Abdul Hafiz. Here at the African Experience Podcast, we are dedicated to bringing you fascinating discussions on wide variety of topics pertaining the continent and its diaspora. And today's episode is no less. We will be discussing a culture, a group, an ethnicity, a people, a language. <laughs> And I think they're probably one of, if not the most diverse set of people on the continent. They are situated mostly mid to eastern part and majority on the coastal part of the continent. So to have this discussion and conversation and to tell us more about this these people, I am delighted to introduce you to my friend from Kenya, Ibrahim Mukhtar. Hey Ibrahim, sup, how are you? How are you doing? Hello Abdul Hafid. Thank you brother for hosting me today. It's an honor. Uh, this is my first uh, ever podcast. So I think uh, uh, we're making history. <laughs> yes, we're making history. So uh, Ibrahim, uh, can you tell me about yourself, what you do? Um, your background, basically? Well, uh, my name is Ibrahim Mukhtar. Uh, I'm currently in Ankara over the past uh, almost five years. I've completed my master's here in international security. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm currently doing my PhD in uh, international relations. I'm about to start working on my thesis. Okay. My bachelor's or undergraduate program was in, I did it in Nairobi, in University of Nairobi. Okay. It was on sociology and uh, conflict and peace studies. Yeah, I'm, I was born in Kenya, in Mombasa, okay. uh, the coastal part of, uh, of uh, Kenya. It's the second uh, biggest city in the, in the country. And uh, yeah, over the past few years, I've been moving in some parts of Africa, been to Djibouti, to Somalia, to Ethiopia, and then to Turkey. Uh, the journey continues. 
The journey continues, certainly. I agree. The journey never ends, right? Yeah. It's life. Right. <laughs> so, um, Ibrahim, uh, th this specific part of Africa, right, to me is one of the most fascinating things about Africa. Because um, as a person from West Africa, we have, compared to the eastern part of Africa, I'd say um, we are more or less diverse, if that's a term, compared to eastern Africa. It was always fascinating to me. So I wanted to know more about Eastern Africa, the coastal part, and especially the Swahili coastal part. So can you give us, say, a brief history? Can you give us a brief history about this part of Africa? Uh, sure. Um, I'm not a historian, but uh, I've been in the region. I've read quite a lot. Um, uh, as part of my studies as a student of international relations and also as a student of uh, sociology. Mm -hmm. And I've also interacted with the old school who've also shared the experiences. And some of the things are things I've observed, I've uh, analyzed uh, throughout uh, my time growing in the, in the region. So basically, or geographically, when you talk about uh, East Africa, uh, it's a very wide region, uh, mainly narrowed to describe uh, Kenya, Tanzania, and uh, Uganda. And uh, uh, these, can, these three countries can, can be said to be the core of East Africa. They're always there. Okay. And then we, call, we talk about sometimes the Eastern Africa. Now, it's a little bit different. When you talk about the Eastern Africa, it goes on to extend uh, to include... Uh, uh, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Mozambique, uh, Malawi, Somalia, Ethiopia, Sudan, South Sudan. Um, it, it continues and sometimes uh, there are overlaps. When you talk about Horn of Africa, you find yourself more into the eastern part of the Horn. Where oh, yeah. Somalia, Djibouti, Ethiopia, Eritrea, uh, South Sudan, and to some extent Kenya. And... Uh, so the, the, the definition is actually uh, not constant. And for that reason, uh, whenever a, a scholar is writing about the region, he has to specify his borders. Mm. Okay. Uh, but as I told you, if you want to talk about East Africa, uh, that right now we have what you call the East, the East Africa community. It's just like a small uh, kind of uh, a course, you know, and, yeah. uh, and aimed at integration and you know trade and stuff. And this is mainly uh, at the moment. It's uh, it's between Tanzania, Kenya, Rwanda, and uh, Uganda, and uh, I think also South Sudan, if I'm not wrong. So basically, these uh, in terms of geographically, these are uh, this is what we call the the the, the East Africa. Now, when you talk about the coastal part, the coastal part is very important because it, its history is very rich. Uh, over the years, it has uh, witnessed uh, the interaction of uh, uh, major ancient world civilizations, uh, be it the Arab, the European, uh, particularly the Portuguese, uh, the Greek, the Persian, the Indian. Uh, even in terms of religion, there's a wide range of diversity with Islam, yep. Christianity, and all having footholds. 
And this, of course, is uh, the, the best way of expressing or at least uh, of explaining the, the impact of this civilization is looking at the architecture in the area, looking at the culture, the diversity in terms of, um, you know, language and uh, heritage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the first things that comes to the mind of a person who is interested in the region or asking, is quite inquiring about the region, is the Swahili language. Yes. And, uh, now coming to the Swahili language, uh, it's Swahili language is a, it's part of the Bantu language. The Bantu language is, uh, is a, the Bantu is a community that extends from uh, South Africa to almost part of Nigeria, but... Uh, yeah, actually, it, not to actually cut you short, because um, I've also kind of read some history, especially uh, 2000 BC. Um, the Bantu also an interest in um, Africans. So they, they began expanding from the Midwestern part of Africa, like you said, Nigeria, Cameroon, that part. And then they kept expanding up until the coastal part and southern part of Africa, even yeah. up to Madagascar. So, yeah, uh, the, the Swahili is also a, a part of uh, the, the, the Bantu languages. But um, one thing about the Swahili is uh, it's, it's very mixed. It's very mixed. So um, is, can, we say, can we say there are there are people specifically we call Swahili. So if, if we say there are people called Swahili, who are these people, the Swahili? Uh, well, uh, just to go back to what you said, I mean, the uh, Bantu is, the Swahili is a majority Bantu people, but there are people who uh, are found uh, along the coast. And uh, that name is actually uh, etymologically is derived from the uh, Arabic word of Sahil. Sahil means, uh, Sahil means, uh, means coast, the coast. Okay. So when you say Sawahil is actually the plural form of saying Sahil. And when you, you add that I in the end, you say Sawahili, it implies the, the, you know, uh, what you call, in Arabic you call Nisbi. If people, when people know, for example, you know of Bukhari, Bukhari is yes. a place, the place is from Bukhara. Bukhara. Right, yeah. When you say Bukhari, is someone from Bukhara. So the Arabs used to call these people Sawahili because they, uh, they live along the coast. So it was a way of actually identifying them as a little bit but, uh, uh, different from those in uh, uh, Bantu communities of the interior. I see. And you, you have to also know that um, Arabs mainly came to East Africa because of trade, and some of them came because of political instabilities in their own countries. You know about the struggles between uh, sultanates, khilafats, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. they used to come there to seek refuge or to, to, to you know, as political refugees. Some of them used to run from famines and droughts and. Uh, some of them, uh, like the Omanis, actually they had internal feud. Uh, brothers were fighting over, over the thrones, and then uh, one was pushed away and kind of uh, found found uh, himself um, in Zanzibar and you know these parts of the of the of the region. So they used to call these people Sawahili because they are found there. But they are, these people are majorly they are Bantus. 
especially I think from what I've observed, uh, they share a lot in common with what we call the Mijikenda uh, and uh, and uh, uh, in what historians normally call them the Eastern Bantus. So okay. uh, not Eastern Bantus, the Coastal Bantus. So coastal. the Coastal Bantus involve Mijikenda, um, Pokomo. These are people in Kenya. For those in Tanzania, maybe you could talk about. I'm not sure really much about, about Tanzania, but all of these people, they actually their own Bantu language has its own dialects and uh, different, uh, they, have, they have some differences among themselves. But then uh, for the purpose of trade and, uh, and communication, the interaction with Arab meant that a sort of a, what we call a lingua franca. Yep. A language that is a little bit uh, manageable by everyone. It's, for trade, it's right? For trade, yes, especially even inside into the interior. Uh, and uh, Arabs' uh, interaction with those people did not only uh, end up with trade. You have to understand that those who came were mainly men. They didn't took their wives alongside them, so yeah. they had to, you know, when they they came to the coast, they they had they had to marry. Uh, they, so the intermarriage also led to a new kind of. Um, what you call um, new generation of mixed uh, people of mixed races. Yeah, that's uh, true. So if you go to to the coastal part of uh, East Africa, it's very common to see people who look like Brazilians or look like you know people of mixed race. And I think even in some parts of uh, West Africa where Portuguese had a great influence, you'll see such people who yeah. uh, who f- have features of you know. Uh, Afro-Asiatic features, and uh, so uh, the with time, of course, uh, the lingua franca, was, which I mean, the Swahili as a language, was used to spread. Uh, it was used for trade, but it also with time, it was it became a language associated greatly with the with the religion the of Islam. Right. Uh, with, with, the the religion, with the religion, with the religion okay. itself. Yeah. So. For anyone who used to profess uh, the, the Islamic religion, he had to learn uh, a great deal of Swahili. It's just like learning Arabic for maybe for people in Persia and whatever. I see. So I the see. more sh- learning Swahili was actually associated with someone becoming a Muslim or at least interested in Islam. I see. And uh, with time, uh, towards the end of the 17th and beginning of 18th century, 19th century, when uh, British interest and even European interest uh, in the, the region increased. Uh, they used the same language. They translated the Bible into Swahili. Swahili. Yeah, because it's already it was already common. It was already a written language. You have to know that Swahili uh, used to be written over the centuries in using the Arabic script, just like the Urdu, Persian, Ottoman language and stuff. So uh, finding already a language that exists Okay. Was was easy for them, and the missionaries used. Uh, the, I think the 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 Swahili Bible uh, was translated at, uh, many years ago, close to um, uh, maybe two centuries ago. Okay. So yeah, for those reasons, Swahili occupies a very important uh, part in that area, and also uh, in, in the history of Africa. And uh, uh, it is recognized, if I'm not wrong as the most uh, widely spoken language in Africa after yeah. uh, English, uh, French, and Arabic. Actually, Islam. Swahili is the largest 
most spoken indigenous African language. I exactly. think about a hundred million people actually speak Swahili, either for as a first language or as a second language. It's a very similar story to the Hausa language. Have you heard about the Hausa language? Of course, the great Hausa people. In, uh, <laughs> so in yeah, uh, the Hausa language basically also um, it's kind of. Uh, turned into a trade language because when the Europeans, sorry, not the Europeans actually, when the Muslims, when the Arabs also came to the north part of Africa, they came into into civilization that had already existed, like the Ghana Empire, the Wagadu Empire, the Soninke Empire. This, This, there's been long history in this region of empires, but when they came down towards Western and Sub-Saharan parts of Africa, there were popular languages like Hausa, the Fulani. You've heard of the Fulani herders. And then, yeah. So uh, when they came there, they got mixed. And the Hausa and the Fulani mostly, I think almost 100% of Hausas now are Muslims. And they got mixed with the... Um, they, they needed to trade with the part of Africa. So that language itself became um, a mixture of, I think there's a percentage of uh, Hausa, uh, sorry, Arabic in Hausa. Even some people say Hausa is an Afro-Asiatic language too, just similar to Swahili. And um, sorry, I say Swahili. What's um, Somali? Somali, Somali, yeah. Yeah, Very similar to Somali how they are yeah so it's a very interesting part uh, of history and it's very sad because we really do not know most part of the history unless uh, up until the 14th century when the portuguese came in before that it as if we we never had history right so for example i'm going to go a little bit way back into way before the modern era um, when I was reading about the Bantus and the expansion, which I'm coming uh, to eastern part of Africa, I don't know whether you know this. They met some people there. Obviously, it wasn't inhabited. Uh, there were the Khoisan people, we, which we call them loosely Bushmen people, and I think in Tanzania they also met people. They, what were they Hadza Hadza people? Mm-hmm. And this is very interesting to me because. That part of Africa is now almost majority Bantu, right? And Khoisan people are down now in South Africa. These people had to escape. They had to escape that expansion of the Bantu people and then live isolated. And even until now, if you go to South Africa, you can see these kinds of people, they're living isolated. So it's a very interesting part of um, African history, which unfortunately we really don't know. But Swahili in general is a very interesting part because of the admixture, as you mentioned, right? And reading also, I saw that we do not necessarily call them Swahili, the, the language itself. Can you say something about the local people the local people there and what they see themselves as? Do they see themselves as Swahili? 
because I saw, I think, Waswahili or something, and I didn't really go into it. So can you ah. tell us about that? Well, first of all, um, the people who originally used to speak the language are the people of the coast. And okay. most of these people, uh, their interaction with Arab also ended up with marriage. So when you talk about the Swahili, according to me, it also has an ethnic dimension. But with time, because of trade, because of colonialism, because of um, uh, the expansion into the interior, the language became the language of everyone. So oh, right okay. now, uh, mostly the Swahilis we identify themselves either uh, based on on uh, uh, cities. I see. Uh, so they either identify themselves based on cities, or maybe uh, uh, we have also, for example, the Bajun. They 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 call themselves the Bajun, the Bajun, but they they speak the same language. We have Wagunya. They speak the same language. Uh, we have in Somalia uh, parts of the southern part of Somalia. Uh, they are spoken. Uh, people speak Swahili there. In uh, the city of Barawa, they they speak, they call the language Chimbalazi. Oh, the brava, the bravanese, right? The bravanese. The uh, bravanese, yeah. um, uh, uh, a variation of Swahili language with uh, significant differences because uh, the Baravanese, uh, the, the fact that they were in so they have been in Somalia, uh, they, they live in Somalia and uh, interacting with Somalis as well and interacting with also the Italian colonials, colonialists and uh, the likes. They have the, the language has developed as a different dialect. I see. But normally, even uh, during the uh, 1991 uh, civil war in Somalia, when the, the people of, from Somalia migrated into Kenya, or I mean, sought mm -hmm. refuge into Ken, in Kenya, the Barawas had only to take around two months to just try to adapt their own dialect to the new language. Yeah, yeah. So they share every almost everything. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's. I think it's. Uh, it's going to be wise to say that uh, for people who speak Spanish and, and Portuguese, they think they talk about a lot of. Uh, overlap in between yeah, languages. The Iberian, the, the Iberian maybe. Peninsula, right? So yeah, that yeah. side of the world, yeah. Yeah. So the 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 comparison could be could make sense. Uh, a little bit uh, strange in the Swahili community is Comoros. I think also the fact that their language is included as part of Swahili, but uh, they they, have, they they I've I've tried I've met them and they they sound a little bit different. And I think it's mostly it's mainly because of the impact of France uh, French as a language. Uh, and also because, uh, despite them being Swahili, they've been isolated from the mainland. So, uh, yeah. that might with time also, uh, you know, uh, have limited maybe a lot of interactions and exchange of words and stuff. So when you talk about Swahili and Waswahili, actually, this is, uh, it's not, uh, uh, when you, the, the war in, uh, in, 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 in the, in the, uh, the additional war is actually in reference to the people. So when you okay. it's a Swahili way of uh, you know prefix of adding you add uh, when I say, uh, uh, so example, Kenya is a country. So when I say Kenya with an M in the beginning, it means I'm someone from Kenya. So that so, mm, the, especially most Bantu languages have that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Kenya, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so, so I say Kenya. It means this person is a Kenyan, as it's a nationality. I see. Then if I say what Kenya, it means they are yeah, plural form. Plural. So, okay. So if I say 
Mturuki. It means someone from Turkey. Oh yeah, yeah. that's interesting. They, they, we call the country Uturuki. I so see. So when Turuki is someone from Turkey, so if I say Waturuki, it means uh, people Turkish from people. Turkey, Turkish people. So I if see. you say Somali, someone from Somalia. If you say Wasomali, it means interesting. What people. about Ki Kiswahili? Right. Well, how how does it make different? How how different does it make it? Ki is uh, the prefix for 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 languages. We use that for languages. Oh, so if I say okay. Swahili, it's the the people or the area. Uh, we say Kiswahili. Uh, it's the language. Uh, people from Barawa they use Chi, and uh, oh, okay. so they say Chiswahili. Uh, and um, uh, if I say Kituruki, it means I'm talking about the Turkish language. Kihausa. Kiarabu, Kiarabu means Arabic. Hmm. We say Kiangereza means Kizungu. Kiangereza Can I ask you a question? Uh, in yes, Somalia, please. in the coastal part of Somalia, right? Is it Lam? No, no. The Kismanyu. Kismayo. Is, is it is it something like that? Is it also a Swahili word? Kismanyu. Yeah, Kismanyu is a or Swahili is a word, word, but it's a combination of two words. It's uh, Kisima means uh, the well, or where people go for to to you know to. To get water from. Is that in Swahili? Yeah, it's a Swahili word. In oh, fact, okay. uh, it's a Bajuni word, and it's called Chisima, not Kisima. That's why, if you look at Italian maps, the old Italian maps, they write Chis- Chismayo. They don't write Kismayo with K. Oh, they write okay. with with Chi, because that's how the Bajunis people in that area, the the, the people the called the, Baju- the Bajuni, yeah, they they're part of the Swahili community. They have okay. small islands. They they own they majorly live on fishing. So they, 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 they call the area Chisima and you means up. So it signs, it's, 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 it's when you combine them, it means the, 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 the well that is up there. So, okay. so Kisima is the, is the Mombasa dialect or Vita dialect of, of how, of, the, of pronouncing it. Uh, yeah. And then it goes on with time being called Kismayo. Uh, the real name of Brava, actually, I think Brava is uh, a Portuguese word for something beautiful. Or like Bravo, is it? Bravo, yeah, something <laughs> beautiful. So it's not the real name. In fact, ah, okay. if you meet people from Brava area, they don't call themselves Baravanese. Oh. They call themselves uh, uh, people of Mwini. Uh, so hmm. Mwini is... Uh, uh, Swahili dialect of I mean the Barwanese dialect of saying Mjini. Mjini Mji is a city or okay. a, a country. Uh, and then um, Mjini means people of you know they, they, it's, it's more of ownership. Okay. So Mwini is their own dialect. So uh, that's what they call themselves. If you they see each other in Turkey, they say, "Oh, you see that person is from Mini." They don't, but I the see. Somalis. Maybe because they they have mostly uh, got accustomed to the with the loan uh, word from uh, Portuguese Portuguese uh, uh, sailors who used to frequent the area in the fifteenth mm-hmm. sixteenth century, they they call the people Bravanese and not only Somalis actually so widely accepted mostly as Bravanese. So see. if you go to the UK, their community as seen as the the Bravanese. Your brother needs. Yeah, interesting. So they, have, they have accepted it actually, but then when they talk to themselves, and they uh, they Makes don't sense. they don't use that word. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
Yeah. So we we you've actually covered a lot uh, now. You've talked about the coastal part, and you did talk about Comoros, um, th- those islands there. So how different is, um, say, a Swahili from? Zanzibar or you know those the Zanzibar archipelago Zanzibar mm-hmm. Pemba mm-hmm. mafia is it that is am I am I right yes. so that part of the, the the Swahilis in Zanzibar the Swahilis in Mombasa the Swah even in northern part of Madagascar I know there are Swahilis there mm-hmm. and mainland Swahilis how different are they? I don't know how to ask the question specifically, but how different are they? In terms of language, or mean that? I think in that. terms of language, there are going to be similarities, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the language is just different dialects, which is mixed with. So, for example, if you go to Madagascar, the Malagasy people are probably the most diverse part of Africa because they are mixed with. Micronesians, they are mixed with Far East, they are mixed with Bantus and other places of Africa. So I think when they did uh, a genetic um, statistics about Madagasy people, they were about just 70% African, Bantu African. So you can imagine how mixed that part of Africa is. So how say for example, would, um, would a Swahili person or Swahili or the terminologist anyways, would the Swahili person in mainland Africa relate to a Swahili person in Comoros or how would they see themselves as totally different people? Well, um, I think uh, they normally see themselves in terms of heritage. You have to understand that uh, these people were already independent uh, nations, kind of okay. living in, in particular areas. It's only the arrival of uh, in, in the new arrival of uh, a wave of Arab traders in particular that maybe has led to the intermarriage or uh, has led to this uh, the, 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 the expansion of the lingua franca. Uh, I see. And of course, the, the emergence of Swahili as a very strong language. It, 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 it became the first language of some people and to some people it became the second language. For those who, uh, uh, for those who, who, of whom the Swahili became the first language, uh, there are those who, uh, uh, Arab uh, heritage comes from the same area. For example, uh, tribes from Yemeni, especially Hadramut, uh, area of, of the, of, of, uh, I think, uh, which is part of Yemen. They, they might have the same members of the family settling in Lamu and then going down to Zanzibar. And so you find these people will be our relatives. But okay. in general, I think, uh, they, despite, besides sharing a lot of, uh, I mean, common culture, common language and stuff, they are not, uh, they, they don't have this, uh, blood relations. So, mm. uh, you have to also, uh, uh, know that the, 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 the closer they are geographical to each other, the, 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 more, similar the, the more similar they are. So yeah. with the case of uh, Barawa, you see, uh, Barawa is at the, is, it's the farthest in the north in terms of the, the uh, city that speaks Swahili. Swahili, yeah. So, yeah. so they, they, they find it difficult to understand uh, their compatriots, for example, in Mombasa. 
mm-hmm. at the first instance. But they understand them, uh, each, they, they understand the, the Bajunis in Kismayo much easier. Okay. Uh, in fact, um, they, 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 they can communicate uh, independently and understand at least 80% of each other. Of, of each other's language. For the Swahili uh, in Mombasa, he will understand a lot of the words, but connecting them might be a little bit difficult. Uh, so that's that's what happened. And also you have to understand uh, uh, the impact of, uh, for example, Arabic language in Barawa can be more than it it has been in other parts of, of, of the country and vice versa. So if you look at the Swahili and the coast there, uh, they've interacted with the Portuguese, so they have a lot of Portuguese words. Okay. Uh, if you just example, you can talk of bandera. Bandera in in Swahili and in Barawa, lang- Barawa language means the flag. I see. These are things that maybe were common, uh, picked hmm. from the from the Portuguese sailors. I Meza. think maybe I think maybe the Swahili in Mozambique would be probably more Portuguese. I, I'm just thinking out loud here, but would it make sense? It will make sense because even right now, even the recent history tells us, like if we talk, uh, I'm a Somali native, so if I speak Somali with the brothers from Djibouti, they will have uh, more French, f- more French words that I might not understand. So it just happened actually recently that one uh, Djibouti guy uh, I knew was sick, and then I called his phone one of his family members picked up the phone and then was telling me the problem he had, but the, the terminology he was using was, <laughs> was French yeah. terminology. If Very you go to people from South Somalia, they have had uh, a, lo- a strong interaction with the Italian colonies. The only the language, the Italian language was only abolished uh, in the beginning of 1970s. So um, a lot of um, uh, words that are used in football, that are used uh, for hardware, that are used for even uh, curse words. They are yeah. uh, sometimes from Italian. Uh, Italian. So people from uh, uh, the northern part of Somalia, Hargeisa and others, uh, they they find it uh, strange. Like, what are these guys talking about? So, I see. Yeah, so it happens. So in the same case with Mozambique, the fact that they are, they are a colony of, of Portugal, um, they were a colony of Portugal then, it's it's very normal that they 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 share a lot of words, but actually it's not. Besides uh, besides our, uh, Portuguese, we have uh, Indian words in, in the Swahili culture. Okay, you can talk about uh, words like pesa, which means money, and uh, like and, in pesa, uh, the, the the app, the the, the app used M-Pesa, to transfer money. Actually, M M M is money. Oh, Pesa. so they 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 made the money. Short and then pesa is money. so the pesa is actually money, and oh. it's uh, if you watch in Bollywood sometimes you'll hear those words, uh, and uh, of course the the bulk uh, percentage of loan words come from Arabic, and this one also uh, uh, from the books they tell you maybe the loan words from Arabic can be ranging around fifteen percent, but interesting. Uh, if I've met uh, the, the scholar who is who, who passed away some years ago, he is from Lamu. So in Tiria there, the concentration of Arabic words are is very much higher, very much okay. higher. Because you have to understand that uh, the the more a community is religious, even though 
yeah. the, the more the more Arabic words will appear in the yeah. in the process. If so, even if you come to Turkey here, people who like to identify themselves with the Ottoman heritage, you'll find that the Ottoman language had more Arabic words than it currently present in the Turkish language. Yeah. So if you go to those areas, you might find the similarity being uh, uh, close to between 30 to 40 percent, if I'm not interested, wrong. interesting. And I, I prefer to actually assume that this is the case because if you look at the, at the uh, days of the week, you could talk of uh, so, so when it starts from Monday, it's a little bit very local, Tuesday, very local, Wednesday, local, but when you when you go to to Thursday and Friday. Uh, they are Arabic words. Arabic. So two out of seven in that case. Hmm. And for 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 the when you you try to uh, number from one to ten, you find that uh, number uh, number number six, seven, and nine are Arabic. They are Arabic. So I would like to assume this is just an indication that something around thirty percent is actually Swahili. But the the problem is. Yeah, the problem is that uh, most of the Swahili words, because they sh- they they lack the some of the Arabic consonants, these words end up uh, kind of uh, become very Swahilized in a, in a while that they even an Arabic person who doesn't know the language might not pick from the first. From, Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, actually, the Swahilis. Uh, for example, the, 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 uh, I don't know whether it's something general among the Bantus. The Swahilis don't have their words ending without a vowel. So something has to end with a vowel. Hmm. Something has to end. I, I think, that's, I think that's a, that should be a Bantu thing. It should uh, be. Because Muslim. most most mainland African languages are, what do the lang- linguists call it? They are sounds rather than... They're not as... They're very different. They're just sounds. Even way in Ghana, uh, the local languages are more like sound-based rather than the one we, we're familiar with. You can, you, it's very difficult for you to find a language that does not end with a vowel. All of them, yeah. almost all of them, end yeah. with a vowel. It start, they start almost all with consonants and then end with vowels. A or O or something like that. That is why African languages sound that yeah. way, like O, A, R, right? All yeah. of them. Yeah. So um, when, you, when you talk about the mixture of Arabic and then the numbers and then the days of the week, for example, in Hausa language, all the days of the week are in Arabic. Oh, all of them, a hundred percent. You guys didn't, Monday, have, didn't, didn't have days before, or what? <laughs> <laughs> From Monday to Sunday. So, but it, it's 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 it sounds local, like um, yeah. Asibi, it's mm. Saturday. Mm. Lad, Yomul Ahad, right? Lad. Ah, I see. Um, Atani, Ithnain, right? Uh, Talata, which is when uh, Tuesday, I think. Yeah. So. In Juma, everything, everything basically is. And, and one thing I noticed from this is uh, maybe some of them, uh, lad. If say, uh, if you tell me lad, it's difficult for me to assume it's Arabic in the first instance. You see exactly. So, the same thing happens uh, with with the Swahili, especially with with the with the words that contain ha, ha later or ain later it's or half late. 
Yeah. yeah because so, Africans, we don't have time to just adjust our tongue, our, the way we speak <laughs> to that kind of, you know, it, it's just naturally. Even that is why when Africans, we speak English, it's much more natural, right? We don't want to stress ourselves. To... <laughs> yeah, that's the joking side of things. But yeah. it's very interesting when you mentioned. And I was speaking with my friend, you know, Swale. I was speaking with him and then he was telling me that the Swahilis in Congo, they almost have or they're trying to do away with the Arabic words. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, the 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 language is more banned to Swahili, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, more raw when they say more raw. Exactly, so, exactly. I mean, it makes sense actually. I've I've uh, I've met some friends uh, from Congo who yeah. speak Swahili. It's actually not the whole Congo speaks Swahili. I think it was it the eastern part of Congo. Yeah, yeah, the eastern the part. Proximity. The, the southeastern part of Congo. Yeah, what I don't know is I don't know whether they are doing this intentionally, but I think um, from uh, based on the uh, geographical geographical location, their geographical location, uh, they are very far away from the coast, and yes. uh, it is natural that they will have less Arabic words because uh, Arabs were not really much interested in moving into the interior uh, as they mm -hmm. were in the present in the coast. So interesting. Uh, they mostly had middlemen who would uh, would go on their behalf to those areas or or they'll have occasional uh, no uh, i think it it was mainly because of the dangers that were associated with uh, a foreign man entering into the interior, the interior. it's always uh, the same even the yeah. health the health challenges and and even may the lack of uh, for example maybe uh, the need sometimes so when you I have the, the the people from the interior bringing you product to the cost you find no reason for you to go risk your, your hmm. life so it with time i think uh, the congolese why they speak swahili uh and uh, to prove what brother saleh said actually is to when they when they count so when you when they count uh, they use a different way of counting that tries to actually over over overcome the arabic influence oh, so see. when they say when they say kumi kumi means uh, ten, 10 in swahili yeah. but when you go to count uh, 20 in swahili you say shirini which means 20 30 which means 30 40 and the way uh, and it continues until you say mia so for the Cong for the congolese they don't say they don't use it like that they call you they tell you makumi mawili, so two tens. That's so, actually oh, the, the translation. So you say two tens, makumi matatu, three tens, three tens, makumi mainne, four tens, and you go. I uh, so uh, I, I, I met one friend uh, back when I came early here. Actually, one of the best things about coming to Chuck is it has uh, uh, exposed us to uh, our lost brothers. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been able to meet our lost brothers. So, yeah, so I talked to one of them. He told me he speaks Swahili, but when he was explaining to me the numbers, he telling me to give him money. I, I, I could understand what he was saying because was saying when you say Makumi Mawili, it's definitely, uh, it's just saying like, uh, instead of telling you, take this 20, I tell you, 
take these two, two turns. Two turns. So, um, I, I could easily capture what he wanted to say. But I found it I found it strange that he doesn't know the Arabic versions of these things. <laughs> so I don't Very think it's intentional, actually, unless there is, uh, uh, you know, uh, a nationalist way there's of a movement. There's a they movement don't. to de-Arabize Swahili. Yeah. Maybe. Very there interesting. Very there interesting. There, so, is, there is, for example, in Somali language, there are attempts. Yeah. Really? Yeah, attempts to de-Arabize. Oh, I uh, never know, knew that. To de-Arabize. Because, I never knew that. Um, Interesting. Of course, people have different opinions on, on these issues. Some think um, the Arab words should stay as they are, but some people think like uh, some Arabic words are, are, are not necessary because already there is... You have you have, have the yeah, Somali the, the, word the, of it. The, the, Salom, the Somali word of it is already there. But with time, the being popularizing the Arabic word means uh, the, the Somali word will continue to disappear. So uh, it's, it's very the, similar to Turkish, Turkish too, because that um, after after the um, after 1923, right, yeah. there was an active movement of actually having a specifically Turkic language and we know for example you and I would know the Inkilab right and then mm. the, 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 that, that kind of movement totally even making dictionaries and stuff like that so I think it's a very natural thing for people especially with history yes. to do yeah yeah some people they will tell you it's not because we hate arabic it's just we, that we want to preserve the original words for example right now if you talk to people from the north so from north somalia they will tell you when you ask when they want to speak of the of the of the uh, salt they tell you give me milk it's a mm. salt yeah. so the the fact that this word uh it's commonly used in, in, in the South in its Somali version. Uh, makes some uh, linguistics wonder why is this uh, word popular in the North with the Arabic later of it. I see. So if you I talk see. about the spoon, the spoon has its, uh, has its Somali word. Okay. But you see that in that area, uh, though most of the Somali uh, poets and uh, linguistics come from that area actually, but then there is, uh, I think, the geographical proximity, the tr uh, extensive trade with the with the Arabian Peninsula. They actually take words that they do not actually need, because mm. uh, I I do understand sometimes. For example, if as a person I haven't been writing before, I don't yeah. know what a pen is. So if you tell me, kalamu, or this mm -hmm. is kalam, and then I call it in Swahili kalamu, I will accept it. I think because maybe. It wasn't part of my heritage before. I uh, I'm not. I'm not sure whether whether I'm accurate in this, but I'm just to give an example. So if um, if I come uh, from a desert and uh, it hardly gets cold, so I don't know what this um, uh, what, what a jacket is, for example, or uh, uh, you know, I don't use a jacket in my where yeah. I come from. So if I if someone comes with a jacket and asks me. What do you call this in your, in your language? I tell him I don't know. So he tells me that this we call it jacket. So the I will jacket. take it. In Somali, I will continue calling it jacket. Hmm. This makes sense to me. But when, um, when it's something that is indigenously available, it's not... I also kindly support that uh, you should not give it a different word when you already have it. But if you are taking it, then take it because you actually 
you need uh, to take need. it. It's just like computer, right? Um, so, yes. for example, I'd I'd say computer is not indigenous to Africans. I'm yeah. talking about the physical PC computer. Obviously, yeah. the word itself is a totally different thing. So yeah. most Africans would say mobile phone or phone yeah. or yeah. computer, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say most Africans, mo- most languages would say that, mm-hmm. right? Even in Turkish, um, they, they still call it telephone, right? And it's not a Turkish word. So until they find, say, maybe a Turkish word for it, maybe they'll still be calling it telephone. Anyways, we digress. Um, and so my question is, would, uh, would um, so the, you said the northern part of, or the most northern part of Swahili people are the brother, the brother right? The, yeah, the Bravanese. The, the, the Bravanese. Yeah. Would, if a Bravanese, would a Bravanese call, say, a Swahili in Comoros, which is probably the southern part, how, how would they, would they see themselves as the same people? Or the Bravanese and who? The, a Bravanese. Well, so I'm talking about someone in Somali, a Swahili in Somali, mm. and then a Swahili in um, Comoros. The yeah. Comoros Islands, um, because of the proximity, it's really, really far, right? Mm. So, would how similar would they find themselves? How similar would so basically would the Bavanese find more similarities with the Somali than the Comoros? Do you, do you get my question? Yeah, actually, uh, it's um, uh, it's a very important question to ask. You have to understand that. Uh, uh, well, these are loyalties, and uh, I think uh, with the formation of the modern state, uh, people uh, prefer to have their loyalties to the to the existing uh, national boundaries. I see. Now, uh, just uh, in the nineteenth century, these parts were most of them under the the Sultanate of Oman. They were controlled from Zanzibar because the the capital was moved from the uh, Sultanate of Oman from Muscat to Excellent. Zanzibar, and all of these parts were under the same rule. Um, uh, and uh, uh, but the arrival of the colonialists and uh, Italians, the British, and, and the rest, it meant that these these uh, the, 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 these lands were separated. People were separated from their from their. Uh, 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 maybe uh, uh, kings mm-hmm. and it happened across Africa in many countries it you did, see houses did. are divided I think in almost eight countries yes the Somalis are divided into almost four countries as well and uh, uh, these uh, demarcations uh, did not take into consideration the, the impact this will have to people and families and the rest I so uh, the uh, for 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 the people of Barawanese, they're a little bit up there, but maybe this question will be more applicable to people of Kismayo and Raskamboni. Hmm. They 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 are very close to to Lamu and Pate and Manda. These are areas that people have the same heritage, the same language. Uh, they they have kinship, and uh, uh, the fish fish uh, the fishermen will actually uh, move from uh, Lamu and come fish. In Raskamboni, in Somalia, and vice versa. I see. So uh, determining actually their loyalties uh, is a little bit different. But 
is a little bit difficult. But I think for the Bara people, they have had um, a very uh, uh, strong presence in the, especially in the in the in the during the colonial times and even uh, the the first few years that followed independence, I where bec- uh, the democratic you know Somalia was. Uh, uh, the first African democracy. I yeah. mean, the, it is where the first African country was able to transfer power peacefully without uh, a coup and stuff. So uh, during this area, this, during this era, Somali minorities who uh, majorly in the coast, even along uh, in the interior, will, it was very common to see them occupying uh, you know important government uh, positions. And uh, I think uh, in the end, uh, they also the fact that their dialect is not hundred percent or very much close to those people in uh, in, in 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 Mombasa and the areas, uh, they might be living a little bit of an identity crisis. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I think uh, through my interaction with them. They, 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 they feel a stronger bond with Somalia. Uh, see. You see that in the way they translate even the national anthem to, to their dialect. Hmm. Uh, they have their own radio s- stations. Uh, they're active in politics. They have produced uh, some of the country's best doctors, best ambassadors, and, uh, and the rest. And uh, it's where they, 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 they feel that they are home. Uh, for the Bajunis, uh, their impact is a little bit, uh, you know, uh, limited, and this is because of, uh, you know, they 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 are they are small number and many other stuff, and even these things were, were got the worsened with with time after the the civil war. But uh, nonetheless, uh, their 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 presence is uh, even if it's limited, it's still present. And uh, and uh, in the end, you know, there's one problem uh, that uh, uh, these borders bring. Sometimes, even if you make a mistake and you think that uh, those your kinsmen in other on the other side of the border will be helpful. Yeah. When you grow into that system, <laughs> you might be told like you come from Somalia, man, or you come from Kenya, or you come. So, so in the end, um, uh, the reality is that the borders exist, and I think people also kind of accept that. Accept. Uh, they try to find their rights where they're actually recognized uh, by I the see. state as citizens and uh, and uh, as uh, as uh, indigenous communities in the area. Interesting. So, uh, is it safe to say that? Um, it's almost impossible. Say, for example, if we were going to categorize or we're going to give countries to every ethnic and language group in Africa, Swahilis wouldn't have one country. It's because from, from what you explained, Swahili should not necessarily be um, con- connected to one ethnic group, right? So, for example, what I'm trying to say here is, if um, a man, the, the ethnic, the features, and then the um, the culture of a mainland African, uh, Swahili in Congo, would be more African, so to speak, right? And a Swahili in the coastal part will be the mixture of this African, Indian, 
<laughs> right, you're right. Am I, am I right in saying that? Indian yeah, and all too. these. It's it's not very. It's not similar to, for example, Hausa. Right. It's not. It's not the same. A hundred percent. Because I'd say the hundred percent Hausa people or the Hausa people have almost the number one probably the same people and then the language and then the dialect isn't as diverse i'd, I'd imagine isn't as mm. diverse as compared to the swahili and it's very interesting to me because um recently there has been there has been this movement of making swahili one uh, like you mentioned, lingua franca, even mm-hmm. in countries where uh, originally do not speak Swahili. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you heard of anything like that? Have you seen this this movement hap- uh, start? Yeah, yeah. I think actually uh, one of the people who pioneered this idea was uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Yeah, Kwame Nkrumah pioneered this so, idea. So the idea is not... The, the issue is actually... Uh, I don't know about how this Hausa language is formed, but... Uh, I, it is uh, widely assumed that the Swahili language is easily comprehensible, mm-hmm. and uh, and also the the different in dialects. Uh, for those who maybe their dialects are a little bit very diverse from the mainstream Swahili, it's uh, mainly the the the, the Comoros people and uh, hmm. and uh, the Barawanese people. So these are ma- uh, periphery countries uh, areas, and even um, uh, normally uh, their percentage is not. Uh, enough uh, to, to if you compare to uh, to the imagine the whole ton of Tanzania or a population of sixty million speaking Swahili okay. in a standard manner, and uh, maybe I think almost forty uh, percent of Ugandans speak the the, the, the the Swahili language. In mm-hmm. particular, the security personnel it's mandatory for them to speak I see. Swahili, I see. and. Uh, uh, Kenya, a country of uh, 50 million plus, uh, most people and almost 90% of the people, besides those in the interior, maybe like in the the, in the nomadic uh, places, they speak Swahili language. So it's, uh, it has uh, this mainstream dialect that is common to everyone with variations. With uh, In Tanzania, maybe they prefer some words, but these don't make um, uh, communication uh, difficult. So... I, uh, I don't think it will be a difficult, uh, a, a big issue. If you talk about the Barawanese so. people, they, they are very few compared to the general population of the Swahili speaking community. So it won't have a, a big impact. And uh, I think in South Africa, it's being taught right now as one of the languages. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's in true. Namibia, in Rwanda, uh, Rwanda and Burundi have a significant, I think, 20%, 10, 15% mm. of the people already speak Swahili as a, as a first language, if I'm not wrong. But then, uh, taking the, the uh, I mean, giving the, 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 lang- the language more attention, making it more uh, official or even mandatory to some, for students is, uh, is one way of... Uh, of uh, achieving this it depends we can actually we don't need to have swahili for all the region we can at least yeah. have swahili in the in west and uh, parts of no, Central yeah, Africa they, and the swahili working, can go to the, east. To the east. absolutely they're actually working on uh, something like that and it's amazing that people have actually now come to understand that we need something like that we need something very similar to that it does not necessarily mean 
you're going to have to uh, be a Swahili or you're going to have to be a Hausa or whatever, right? Because um, the way Africa is going, we need to have a very common relations with one another. And this is one huge step, I think. Man, so I really wanted to go deep into a lot of things, but um, because of time, we, do, we don't want to bore people. <laughs> I no think problem. most people who listen to this are very excited about it. And I, w- I yeah. wanted to talk about the Shirazis and then I, I because when I came into this part of Africa and I was really researching it, I saw that there are a lot of things people need to know. For example, the Persian and the Oman and the so that that would probably be another time, and we might have also to speak about the Horn of Africa, Somalia, Eritrea, and uh, how different and how similar they are. But uh, yeah, we would add, would talk about it later, maybe on another sure, episode. Sure. sure, definitely. I mean. Um... Uh, these are uh, uh, speaking about East Africa is not something that can end in an hour. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. The Shirazis are from the Pasha. They 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 still I've exist. We have the Balushis. It's a Never Baluchistan. It's a Baluchistan is a region uh, be between. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but I think yeah. With time, we can uh, organize for another meeting. Absolutely, absolutely. I uh, really uh, enjoyed uh, being your host today. Uh, your guest today, not Definitely, your host. Definitely, man. Anytime. So, and uh, hopefully, we could have more conversations. And Definitely, stay I'd love, I'd love, I'd love that. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast, and uh, wish you the best of luck in your endeavors. And take care, man. Peace. Thank you. Thank you, Hafiz. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the African Experience Podcast. For show notes, visit us on www.theaexppodcast.com and follow us on social media at The AEXP Podcasts.